Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado Radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning on this dreary day here at the studio, but uh, I think we're going to get some nice sunny weather coming up. And we got a lot of things going on in Colorado. I mean, the hunting, the fishing, we're going to be covering a lot over the next few weeks especially. We're going to get into ice fishing, but right now we have an abbreviated show today. It's going to only be a half hour, but we're going to talk a lot of pheasant hunting, and I want to get right to the phones. Uh, and joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, he's a tremendous resource. He joins us every time around this year to update us on the Upland game, Ed Gorman. Good morning, Ed. Morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing good, and I got to admit, Ed, over the years, even though you've been able to try to educate me as to what my expectation, expectations should be when I look at holdover birds and the weather patterns in spring when they're nesting and then the weather patterns later in the year, I, I, I try to make a guess. And some years I have a pretty good feel, but this year I have zero feel. It was such a weird weather year. So bring me up to speed on what's going on. Yeah, so... Uh this has been kind of a uh, interesting year to watch um, evolve as, as we went from last season into this season. Um, really dry this last this past winter uh, out on the plains, um, which is generally not a good uh, good way to start. Um, just due to the fact that the soil moisture doesn't really recharge and uh, get ready to grow vegetation in the spring. Um, luckily, it got fairly wet in May and uh, kind of brought on the nesting and, and brood rearing habitat. June was a, kind of a weird June, um, really kind of hot and dry. Um, so it definitely lost some momentum from May. And then uh, the, the kind of unique thing this year um, was the severity and number of large hailstorms. Uh, we always have some that do some damage to uh, habitat or um, upland populations, but this year it was uh, there, there was a large number of really severe, intense hailstorms that uh, did some had some serious impacts. So, so we're kind of looking at this year is going to probably be close to last year in terms of the numbers of birds hunters should see. Um, of course, that varies with local condition a lot. There are certainly areas that will be better, certainly areas that will be worse. Um, and it's really hard to identify which of those um, you happen to be hunting in unless you have some contact with someone that lives out there. Now, when you, when you talk about similar to last year, last year was actually a pretty banner year. I think you're saying there's going to be birds out there, but you may have to move around a little more. If you were going to rank, we've gone through a roller coaster in the last maybe, what what do you think, seven years where we had some really good hunting. We had a couple down years. Then it came up. Then a couple of years where it peaked. Would you put this maybe not quite as good as those peak years, but if you're willing to work, there's going to be birds there? Uh, yeah, pretty much any year. If you're willing to uh, spend the boot leather, you're going to find birds at some place, somewhere um, out on the landscape. Um, it's certainly not going to be, I, I don't see it being a banner year by any means. The last one that we had of those was 2011. Um, I don't think it, I mean, I just don't see it being as good as that. Um, but, you know, certainly not uh, Certainly not the end of days when it comes to pheasant hunting. There's, there's plenty of birds. It's just, uh, you know, everybody kind of hopes for a, those banner years outnumber the, the average years, and it's just not the case. Um, particularly this year, it'll be it'll be kind of one of the middle-of-the-road middle, middle of the road years, average at best, whatever average Tends to be. Well, you know, and I always say about hunting, it's not 
harvesting is hunting. You have to put a little effort in, and it's always a little more rewarding when you have to do a little work. Before we talk about maybe the numbers, of the locations of the pheasants and quail, um, is it too late for people to be out scouting? I mean, next weekend, should they be out scouting this week if they can? If possible, um, yeah, either either that scouting is already done or uh, this is kind of the, the finale here. I mean, uh, uh, scouting goes on even after, uh, you know, you hunt. You kind of learn where the birds are, and you, you might be driving to hunting spots and find other, other birds. You always have to take note of those things. But uh, for opening weekend, yeah, you kind of need to get it done here in the next few days um, or it's, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, Ed. Yeah. Pheasant hunting is just one of them things that you know, as you as you, as you become more and more uh, into the sport, it uh, you, you want to put more and more effort into it, and that really generally returns pretty well in your success uh, in your in your enjoyment of the sport. Scouting is one of those things most people don't do for small game, but with pheasants, it pays off big time. Well, I think scouting is such an you know it extends your time in the outdoors. Hunting is a an activity to get us off the couch, get us outdoors. And whether you're elk hunting, deer hunting, pheasant hunting, or even just varmint hunting, whatever, if you're spending time out scouting, you're in the outdoors, and you're seeing things in nature that a lot of people miss. It's just enjoyable. It's a great way, and it's a great way to spend time with friends and do some bonding. I would agree with that. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, another thing, too, before we kind of move on to areas, you've always told me in the past that... Opening weekend isn't always the best. Not that it won't be good, but there's the times as the weather changes, the Christmas of the leaves goes away, we get some snow, the cold weather bunches up the birds. You can have success throughout the season, right? Certainly. Um, some of the better times to hunt are actually later in the year when uh, pressure drops off and um, farmers finish up the last uh, few acres of harvest uh, that puts new birds out into the habitat. Those Later on in the year, so, you know, anytime, even even as late as the last weekend of the season, you can have some really good hunting. Um, it just, uh, you know, somewhat dependent on the year and dependent on how how early corn harvest happens, uh, which it's it's, it's kind of going to be late this year. It looks like there will still be a significant corn standing next weekend. Um, so this this could be one of those years when January hunting might be as good as November hunting. Well, and that's always good to hear because, you know, we get nice weather to be out year-round here. I mean, it's you got to dress for it. Take me through, first, the pheasants. What are some of the key areas that you would hunt or you would avoid? So, um, let's just talk kind of historically first. Um, over the modern history, Yuma County is always the, the number one county for pheasant hunting in Colorado in terms of uh, not only numbers of pheasants available and harvested, but also in uh, hunting pressure. So lots and lots of people go to Yuma County. Um, after that, it's kind of a uh, there's kind of a four county uh, rotation that just depends on weather condition, um, which one is favored most in terms of bird numbers. Those counties are Logan, Phillips, Sedgwick, and Kit Carson in the south and just south of Yuma County. So in any one of those top five counties, um, those are kind of the top five historically, and you know we don't see that being um, going to change anytime soon simply because they tend to get a little bit more precipitation than some of the counties further west. Um, <clears throat> those five are a good place to start. Um, however, you're making some trade-offs um, because um, hunting pressure is also higher in those counties. Um, lots of people hunt uh, kind of the second tier of counties, uh, which I'll start with uh, Washington County and Morgan County to some degree are in that second tier. 
Um, and then you go to the southeast to where, uh, in, into Baca County in the extreme southeast, that is normally in the second tier of counties. Um, so any of those eight um, are, are good places to start. Um, as you get into that second tier of three, the, the pressure drops off quite a bit compared to Yuma County. So it depends on what the person wants to do. Um, if they want to hunt where the most birds are, you probably have to stick to the top five. Um, if you want to hunt where there's less hunting pressure, definitely consider the second three. Or And there's plenty of other locations around the state um, where you can find um, good bird numbers. It's just uh, it takes definitely takes some scouting, some some contact work with landowners, and also the you know the right right season in terms of precipitation. But they're certainly out there. Now, what about the quail? Last year, you felt the quail were one of the best years for quail in the southeast you'd seen in a long time. Yeah, so quail um, are are highly dynamic uh, in terms of population. Um, rapid increases, rapid decreases are very common. Um, this year was pretty dry in the southeast, as, as most of us probably realize. Um, they went through about a close to a calendar year of, of really dry conditions. Um, that changed in late July um, of 18, and they started getting some rain down there. It appears, though, that uh, quail have actually done fairly well um, this year. Um, so we expect it to be pretty similar to last year, uh, which is not. Um, so the the quail boom was 16, 2016. 2017 was still very good, just not as good as 16, which you never expect them to stay as high as they as they reach on the on the summit. Um, and that, so we if we if we come out of this with 17 being with 18 being as good as 17, there's there's plenty of quail down in the southeast um, for hunters to to really enjoy a good hunt. Now, we're going to run out of time because we have a shortened show today, Ed, but I do want to get to one other topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. I want to take a couple minutes, and that's the walk-in access program. You know, that's been a really shining star here in Colorado. A lot of people are hesitant to get out hunting, especially upland game, because most of it occurs on private property, and they don't like having to go ask the landowners and stuff. The walk-in access program really removes that obstacle. Correct. Um We've been, uh, this is the 18th year of walk-in access in the state. Um, we've had seen our successes and certainly a few problems over the years, um, nothing major. But uh, it's really a, a win-win-win all the way around for, for the, the wildlife agency, for landowners, and for hunters. Um, a, a huge percentage of Colorado pheasant hunters are pretty heavily dependent on hunting on some walk-in lands, and it's, it's really convenient and easy. Um, we go out um, through our vendors or through our, some of our folks, and we actually acquire permission for the hunter in terms of opening lands to the public to public hunting opportunities. We post it with signs. We print an atlas. Uh, we also make the atlas electronic, so you can get it on your mobile device um, if you want to, or print the at least print the maps off of our website. And then you can go hunt. It's not you don't have to ask permission on any of those fields. Um, it's a really convenient way to get into to hunting. See if you like it. Well, and there's a a large amount of land and it typically has to be good habitat that you look for too right you don't just randomly pick land correct we uh inspect every property that gets proposed for walking unless we know it uh, previously um so there there is a there is a base level of habitat there now occasionally one will slip through the cracks on us um, that we don't catch or one gets hailed after the season or after the sign-up period um, there, there occasionally will be something in there that kind of make you look twice, but uh, generally speaking, the, the pretty good habitat out there on walk-in stuff.
You know, and we have a short and show today, but I think I want to take the last minute and maybe deliver a message to people. You know, people travel all over Dakotas, Kansas, Nebraska to go upland game hunting, and Dakotas struggled last year. They were terrible. No, I shouldn't say terrible. They weren't up to their par. But we, we've really developed a, a good, reliable base. I know most of it comes from this year's hatch, but I think the message should be if you're really an upland game hunter, we have resources and, and access here in Colorado to really have great hunts, don't we? We do. We do. Um, it's a great opportunity to uh, learn about pheasant hunting um, by doing it. Um, that's, that's kind of the key. Regardless of what state you live in or where you travel to hunt pheasants, um, you can pick up techniques and uh, learn about the birds and how they avoid hunting, avoid hunters by just going out and hunting them. And then you kind of file those things away in your mind and uh, they pay off later on. Um, getting experiences, the, hunting is the best way to get the experience to uh, become a good pheasant hunter. No, it really is. Ed, I wish we had more time today because you and I could talk forever. Thank you so much for always joining us at this time of the year and giving us all this information. Very welcome, Terry. You bet. No, let's, we'll talk again soon offline. That's Ed Gorman from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Such a tremendous resource. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones where we're joined by our good friend from the from uh, Colorado Clays who was out skinning a deer last night. That was a pretty nice looking buck there. Yeah, Terry, thanks. That uh, um, My son uh, got his tag filled, his first Colorado deer. That was a, a great evening for us. That's, you know what, those are memories you just can't, uh, you can't reproduce, aren't they, JR? Oh, absolutely. We've talked about it a lot, Terry. Uh, boy, just making our industry, uh, getting those kids involved, and uh, it's it's priceless. Well, and you got a whitetail, too. I'd like to, we got a short show, so I'm move on from that, but I'd like to talk more sometime about the number of whitetail out here. It's fantastic. JR, we just got talk, done talking to Ed Gorman, and even though the weather was up and down this year, he said in most areas he's predicting a pretty good upland game season, maybe not a 96 season, but maybe close to a 97 season, which is pretty good upland game hunting. Now, I know you get a lot of guys in there practicing. As a shotgun facility, what's the one mistake you see people make when they're shooting upland game? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna make my one mistake a few sentences here. I, I think one of the big ones, Terry, first of all, is not coming to Colorado Clays and spending some time on our wobble trap. Because, uh, I mean, it is the best practice to simulate and in practice almost any bird flush you can imagine but uh all the years of watching targets and birds get shot at and i think you guys will agree most of the misses are behind or you know the poor hits to the rear so uh you know i always tell people try and focus on shooting the front of your target stay ahead of them because remember them birds are accelerating so get out front keep that gun moving and understand um, you know, I like to tell people if you're going to miss, miss to the front side more than the back side. Well, and you're absolutely right. And that's why if you see people shooting clays, how often do they do well with the clay going right towards them or right away from them compared to one going across? No, oh, there's no comparison, Terry. I mean, um, the amount of calculations and, you know, like say, the the fundamentals uh, that you will work on by practicing, you can apply 
um, to those um, targets that you're, or you know, whether it's a bird or a clay target that you're having trouble with. And again, uh, like I say, spending time working on those can just put you leaps and bounds ahead of not doing it. Well, you mentioned the wobble trap. What other facilities? Think this is probably new listeners haven't heard of Colorado Clays. Tell them what you have out there. Well, Terry, and thanks for bringing it up. Uh, everyone uh, that's been here knows we are the Colorado's premier public shooting facility. Uh, we do feature the finest in rifle, pistol, and shotgun shooting opportunities for everyone. So whether your trap is your game, got you covered. Uh, we have skeet fields with those amazing wobble trap overlays, uh, a 15-station sporting clays course, one of the most beautiful around. And you can also spend time on our state-of-the-art rifle and pistol complex. Um, like I said, that rifle, we've been sighting in the rifle hunters here, uh, 100-yard range with a camera on the target, a monitor in your bay, real-time sight-in. Uh, just priceless if you're heading to the hills. And, of course, you know, that 10 bays of pistol with a target return system. There's just everything covered at Colorado Clays. Now, we're going to run out of time here in just uh, about two or three minutes, and I know you wanted to get people started early on thinking about Colorado Clays for Christmas gifts this year because uh, they wait till the end and they get overwhelmed. Tell them what you guys have to offer as we get into the holiday season. Well, and good call, Terry. Coming into this time of year, um, there's a few things come to mind. It would be our gift cards, some Colorado Clays gear, and some custom shooting packages. So I'll briefly touch on them. Of course, the most popular, uh, and this is year-round, birthdays, those prizes for events, whatever, are gift cards. So with a simple call or email, um, even walk-in, we can get you a gift card for any amount um, and get it to you for a, for a gift. Uh, also at Colorado Clays, people may not be aware, we have a lot of clothing and accessory stuff. So um, T-shirts, shooting shirts, winter hoodies, uh, hats, stocking caps, you know, all, lots of good uh, clothing stuff. And then, you know, even hat pins, bumper stickers, shell holders, lots of stuff for the avid shooter, uh, whether you have or have not shot with us. But one that's really um, gaining popularity is our custom shooting packages, Terry. And... By simply giving us a call or an email, um, talk to myself, Doug, Corey, we can take, find out what you want to do, and we can customize an outing for an individual, a uh, couple, a family, friends, really any group. Um, we'll help you pick a time, uh, a date, maybe decide what shooting activity you want in a format. So some people like to do lunch. Uh, we have options for that. You can do it yourself. And then, of course, any experienced uh, shooters or people that have shot at our facility can really visualize uh, the potential we have here. But if you've not been to Colorado Clays or maybe you're inexperienced, uh, we can still make this outing happen. Uh, we have rental guns, ammo, um, extremely user-friendly facility and systems. And, of course, I say this all the time, Terry, we have the very best staff and instructors around. So... Um, a customized outing at Colorado Clays may be the highlight, you know, of anybody's holiday season. Um, just give us a call. We'll make it happen. Now, we only got about 30 seconds left. I want to start getting people ready for your turkey shoot. We'll talk more about it in a couple weeks, but quickly tell me about that. Well, Terry, this uh, our annual old-fashioned turkey shoot, and it is actually a week from today. So mark the calendars. Uh, November 10th at 9 o'clock, we're going to register. 10 o'clock, we'll start shooting. And what are the prizes? They are turkeys, and we got a bunch of them, and they're good ones. It's only $7 
per person to enter the shoot each time you enter for a chance at your turkey. It's a straightforward five shots uh, from five positions and best score wins. Uh, if we have a tie, we'll do a shoot off sudden death. We absolutely welcome all abilities uh, from novice shooters up to avid shooters. Uh, everyone is welcome. And uh, the reason this is so nice, Terry, is somebody wins a couple turkeys, they're out. Uh, we want everyone to get a chance of this, and we want to do it in a fun, competitive environment. Uh, we will have chili lunch here. Uh, they're going to have homemade turkey soup at the Tail Feathers Lounge afterwards. So this is an absolute win-win for anybody that wants to come out and have a fun morning of shooting. JR, we are way out of time, but when is it real quick? Saturday, November 10th, and that's a week from today, Terry. And they can find more inf information at coloradoclays.com. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Terry. We had a very abbreviated show today, folks, because of the Air Force game. We will be back to our full two hours tomorrow. Um, but thank you for listening to this short show. I hope we helped you, and we'll see you next week on 104.3 The Fan.